you like to get things done quicker, faster, and with less effort? So do I. So I created a Facebook group called Assistance Automation and AI for Mental Health Providers. You can search it in the Facebook search panel. And I created this because I love to talk about this topic. I love talking about assistants and how to hire them and manage them. I love automations that do things for me quicker, faster, better. And then AI is just exploding on the scene. And I feel like I'm talking about all the about it all the time and my friends are talking about it. So why not create a community group where we can discuss these things together, share ideas and get things done quicker. I'd be humbled if you joined the group and started contributing your favorite tips and tricks on assistance, automation, and AI for mental health providers. Go to the show notes, find the link for the group, or just search up assistance, automation, and AI for mental health providers in the Facebook search bar. We'll see you there. Welcome to the Scaling Therapy Practice. This is James Marland with Dr. David Hall. Hello, David. Hello, James. This is the show where we encourage you to take small steps towards big growth. This week, we're going to be talking about hiring a virtual assistant. We're going to actually dive deeper in with David because he is thinking about hiring a virtual assistant. And I'm going to ask him some questions to figure out what type of course or service I could help him with for hiring a virtual assistant. So we'll dive deep into that. But first, we're going to do our tool tip for tech of the week. I'll go first. My tip is from a book from Jim Collins. It's called, I wrote it down, and now it is not where I wrote it. Okay, well, I'll remember the book in a second. But the tip is the 20-mile march. And what, (laughs) David's laughing at me, but anyway, the 20-mile march. It's a concept of where if you take, a a goal and just say, this is how much I'm going to do, whether it's a good day or a bad day. And I'm going to, you know, march 20 miles on the good days and march 20 miles on the bad days. The principle is you'll get to the destination faster than if you marched 50 miles on the good days and no miles on the bad days. Mm -hmm. And the book, it's called Great by Choice. See, I figured it out. I was just looking it up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's on, I see it on my webpage, but that's what I didn't write it down. I looked it up, but Great by Choice is, it's a wonderful book about how businesses did things to eliminate or reduce the luck factor. Like, are you just, are you good or are you just lucky? And so one of the concepts was the 20 mile march where the, this, there were two teams hiking to the Antarctic or something or. I forget the exact place they were hiking to. And one team did exactly what I said. They did 20 miles, good days, bad days, and reached the destination months ahead of the team that took, you know, on the hot days and the sweltering days, they would, you know, march less. And on the cold days, they would march less. And then they would try to make up for it and like work really hard on the big days. It's all about a sustainable pace. Like that's what spoke to me, the sustainable pace, because in, in work and life and business, you know, if when you're responsible for all the things you feel there's a tendency to feel like I have to do all the things, you know, today's a good day. 
I'm going to work till 10 p.m. or 1 a.m. and then not get enough sleep and then I'll feel bad the next day. So maybe I'll take it easy. Like there's just this tendency to burn yourself out and then justify not working on the days when you don't feel working. So I don't know. Does that relate to you, David? Absolutely. I mean, I talk about the proverb a lot, which starts, how do you eat an elephant, which is one bite at a time. And the sense of what feeling overwhelmed does, how it affects our work and how it affects the things we accomplish. And it's something historically in my life, the paralysis of feeling overwhelmed has crept in at times. I struggle more on not sprinting because I'll do that and it exhausts me. I'm very yeah. bad at running over, kind of running like, oh, like I, if I do all this and do all this, then I can relax later. Well, the truth is for me, at least, I don't very easily. Uh, typically when I like, I have to force, I have to force myself into relaxation. It's not an easy thing. And it, it's weird because I enjoy it, but I al always feel guilt about it. Uh, that, that's one of the things that I struggle with too. The, I know all these things in my head that I need to do. And I feel guilty for, you know, taking, you know, stopping at five or six. And travel is one of the things that really helps me with that, because when I'm taken physically out of a place where I just can't accomplish, it makes it much easier for me when I go camping or things like that. And like, there's no, right. I can't respond to emails. That's just what it is right now. And that's actually a good. So yeah, 20 mile march. It's a great concept. I think it's great for keeping sustainable, a sustainable thing. It also gives you permission to mm -hmm. know you've done your good work and tomorrow you're going to do work and the next day you're going to do work to give yourself permission to be able to take that time to self-sustain. So that was my tip of the yeah, week. What do you got? My tip, yeah, my tip, something I, like a lot of things, I find that like I'll just rediscover stuff because I'll learn something and get interested in it, but then life moves on, new information comes in. It's rarely that I deliberately discard the previous thing. It's just more of like other things get on top of the pile. Then every once in a while, I go through the pile and rediscover something. I'm like, oh, yeah, this was interesting. So one, this was this initial discovery was three years ago for me. And he had been around for a while. But the millennial money man, Bobby Hoyt, H-O-Y-T, is a blogger, does online courses on personal finance, but someone in my age range. And yeah, I just I rediscovered some of his things. And it was listening to a podcast episode where he was a guest on. And it just reminded me like, oh, like this, it's, this is really good. And I really like what this person has to share. And, you know, for, I think for sometimes when I, for informational sorts of sources, whether it's people or a product or something, sometimes every once in a while, I will discover something that really speaks to a need that I have. And I have, and the knowledge that's being presented is completely novel. So I was just, that was something I was listening to this morning and it kind of reminded me of some things that I'm like, oh yeah, this really is good. And that is a good habit. And that, what, what was the author? Uh, was the Bobby Hoyt, H-O-Y-T. And he's a, the Millennial Money Man's his brand. He has a blog called the Millennial Money Man that's been going at this point for, I think eight years and as of 2023. And he has some online courses. One of his brands is Laptop Empires, but it's a lot of, and it just, it's a neat story. Like he, he was an educator and, but began studying personal finance and also just different gig economy sorts of things. I think he has a course on teaching people Facebook ads for mm -hmm. small business and 
I'll put them in the show notes. Sounds sounds up my alley. Yeah. All right. So we're going to move into the main segment, which is I'm going to be doing an interview for David about hiring a virtual assistant. And this is uh, this kind of like hits on two of the things that I like to do. One, I worked for a virtual assistant company for three years and I probably interviewed 100, 200 virtual assistants and hired Mm -hmm. 50 of them. So Mm -hmm. and reviewed thousands of applications and things. So I, and after I left the company, I have like hundreds and hundreds of documents and things about onboarding virtual assistants and hiring them and what they should do. And so David was asking, you know, well, maybe we should, you know, do, he's thinking about hiring a virtual assistant. And so trying to put all that together with my, the courses that I make, maybe we can make a course out of this. So one of the things I do for making a course is I uh, do research. Research is important when (laughs) making a course because you don't want to make something that isn't going to meet the need or the transformation of the audience that you're going for. And I found a skill, a process of getting some great information from people in eight questions. And the questions come from the ultimate course formula. And the author's name is Aman Agai. I believe that's how you say it. And the last time I checked, it was like 99 cents on Kindle or $14 on Audible or something. So it's a really good, it's a really good cheap book to pick up if you're interested in the course creation stuff. So that's where this, these eight questions came from. And I'm just going to go through these eight questions. I also have this in my course, Beginner's Guide to Create for Creating Knowledge Income. So I go through videos on how to do this. But I'm just going to ask David these eight questions to get some information about what he's looking for with hiring a virtual assistant. You ready for this, David? Sure. So the first question is, when it comes to hiring a virtual assistant, what are some of the biggest challenges you are facing? I would say some of it is kind of where to look because there there are different places I've become aware of over the years. So where to look, how to define what I'm looking for, my job description well enough to make sure that I'm getting the right candidate. How do I weed out? So there's multiple challenges. How do I weed out quality candidates or, you know, Poor candidates from quality candidates. Yeah. And I'll take a side note from there. Like I've, at this point, I've hired a number of therapists mm-hmm. over the life cycle of my practice. And I have made better hiring choices than others at times. And I'm better at hiring therapists now. But I've only worked with one virtual assistant in the past. Mm-hmm. And it ended up, it was a very fruitful relationship, but not one that continued for a number of reasons. One of the biggest was, and this is something I communicated to my virtual assistant, he was a great coach and I really, he was very transformative for me in a certain place of my journey because he understood a knowledge economy, uh, sales processes and things like that much better than I did. He really helped me develop good webinars and so many different things. He was a great online business coach. As a virtual assistant, he had, he, there was lacking. Uh, he, and part of it is he would tell you, he didn't like being a virtual assistant. He, we got connected because he worked for a virtual assistant company 
and that's how we got connected initially and that was just part of the gigs he was doing to provide for his family he was much better as an online business coach and strategist and so did, but did yeah you but get how to, to hire well. the company or did you get to interview him before you hired him i so i worked with i realize this is tangential but it's, it is related so i uh i hired my first virtual assistant this was in 2020 later 2020 and it was when i started to have some significant success with online courses in my like i'd been part of my journey is i'd been a teacher for years in a teaching business but it was all it was mostly in person and that's how i made my money but then something happened in 2020 i'm trying to remember what it was yeah something i, I forgot 2020 i don't know what yeah it was happened. anyway 2020 i think something happened in 2020 but it made doing in-person things more difficult and it'll come to me at some point whatever yeah. it was but the <laughs> i'll look so it up I yeah i'll look it up but and so i that's where i began in 2020, I began doing some more things online. I'd done a little online before, but they weren't very profitable for me. I'd made some money. They weren't money losers. They just weren't big revenue generators. But in 2020, my online offerings began to bring in significant revenue. And I talked up virtual assistants at that point. A lot of my friends were big into them and used them, and I saw the benefit. So my wife said, you need to hire a virtual assistant. You keep on telling people. But it was my first time. So I ended up doing a, from the recommendation of a friend of mine, I used a, a larger U.S.-based company called Belay. And, I've heard good yeah. things about Belay. You know, I think it was generally my only complaint. I, two, I have two complaints kind of going on the other side. I will say on the positive, they were a great place to start. So they onboarded me okay. and they did an interview process and then they paired me. They're like, we'll find you. They, they paired me. And then I did an introductory kind of meet and greet with the VA where I could say yes or no. Yeah. But it wasn't, they basically pre-interviewed. I had two complaints. One is they didn't understand online courses, um, which at 2020 even I thought was a little, I was trying to explain to them what I was doing. And they were asking me questions like, well, do you need somebody to respond to your email for you or manage your schedule? I'm like, no, I need help in managing like online courses. And it was clear whoever was onboarding me didn't know what I was talking about. And I thought for a virtual assistant company with the knowledge economy aspect of courses being bigger, I'm a little disappointed you don't know about this. Now, that could have been the particular person that was onboarding me, and they may have learned a lot in the three years since. So I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. The other issue was they're very expensive. I was paying in 2020 about $40 an hour. And you know, part of it was they were only hiring U.S.-based VAs, and so there was a pay... But I know in the end that they, that their cut was about of that, that the VA was getting, you know, about half of what I was paying. And I don't really feel that their curation process was that like, and I, when I quit them, that's what I told them. They're like, well, why are you quitting? I'm like, you know, I feel I got what I needed and this is too expensive to be sustainable and for what I'm getting for it. So that was my experience with them. And Andy, the VA I worked with, great guy. I would definitely recommend him for people for online business coaching and marketing help and a consulting sort of role, which is what I think you would want me to send to him. But anyway, but that was my experience before. But I struggled with, part of it was I was still learning what a VA could do and I was struggling with setting expectations and fulfillment deadlines and just, and I ran into certain things in different moments where I didn't know how to explain what I was asking for. And so I just made this, well, it's just easier to do it myself. So I ended up not necessarily 
taking as many things off my plate as I wish I did. And that's on me. But I didn't know how I didn't know how to like decide is this person going to be good at fulfilling this role and how to set the role for them. I'm just taking notes. You can probably hear. Notes, my, yeah. my keyboard is very clicky, by the way. <laughs> I'm not hearing it, but oh, I know I'll hear it in the audio when I play this back. But yeah. how to get more things off my plate. So uh one of the one of the tips for people who might want to do this for course creation is you write down the exact words that people say because the exact words communicate their message, their content. And if you get the right people that you interview, these words will speak to your whole audience. Like you won't have to rethink your marketing language. You won't have to rethink, how should I say this? What's the best way to say this? If you write down the problems that real people are having right now, like how do I get things off my plate? Those are the words you're going to use for your marketing and creating your course. So anyways, I'm doing double duty here talking about creating courses and hiring a virtual assistant. Were there other challenges? What were some of the other challenges? You mentioned quite a few there. Were there any others? Yeah, I had a hard time setting deadlines and because I'm my accommodating personality was not great in kind of running. And he was working, you know, at the time I was working with the person I was, they were he was in the process of a move, like from moving from Delaware to Tennessee. He had other projects and clients he was working with. So I was just one of several clients. And we would really enjoy our conversations. I would, at least. I think he did. And I would get a lot of helpful information. But, like, there was one thing I had where my audio, I had re recorded an interview, and the person I was doing it with didn't have earbuds in. Oh. And I am echoing in his mic. It was a really bad quality recording but i couldn't redo it and so i needed the audio as cleaned up as i could get it and i sent it to my can you clean this up he's like yeah i think i can do that well he was on vacation and then it was like he didn't even get to it and it wasn't like willful neglect but it was just i was like hey i need this and so those were things that kind of affected you know the workflow in it and you know, so setting boundaries, I, that was a struggle that I had on my end. But again, just expectations of like, what, what am I getting? What can I expect from this? Because it was such a new relationship for me. Like, I learned a lot through that relationship of the things I could ask a VA for. But, but going into it, I didn't necessarily know, like, what are the sorts of things that I, what are all, I knew some about what people use VAs for, but what are all the things that I need them to do? And I think the last problem, and this is one just in a function, like, I struggled with figuring out how to like give people access to stuff mm. of because if I needed people in like accounts that I had, oftentimes there were accounts that like there wasn't so many things I used didn't have like an admin login. And so I just with my login information, I was figuring out like, well, how do I share this information without losing control of it, without running the risk of somebody? Because ultimately the person I worked with was a trustworthy person, I believe. And none of my accounts have done anything weird in the year since. So I'm, I believe it's a safe bet, but, yeah. but I would be very wary in the future going forward of like, well, what, you know, uh, how do I delegate in ways that, that I don't lose control. Right. Also, James, you can just take the transcript we're recording right now and put it <laughs> in the chat GPT. I, you know, I probably will at some point. <laughs> it's really, it's a good summary device. Yeah. So when it comes 
So great. Thanks for sharing the biggest challenges. Going a little deeper, I guess, when you're when you think about adding a virtual assistant, what are some of the biggest fears that you're facing? So some of it relates to challenges, but I'll reiterate what I, I just said, because this is fear. Like, how do I delegate in a way that doesn't compromise my assets? You know, if I'm having them run ads for me, how do I give them access to social media accounts of mine without losing control? You know, if I'm wanting something to do social media posting, like on an Instagram account, how do I do that without losing control? How do I... So there's that. There's the fear of, will I get good value? Will the money I invest be worth it? Whatever that is. Will I make a good hire? How, what will keep me from making a poor hire? What are the things I should be looking for? Am I looking in the right place? As far as sources, like there's, there are a few different sources, you know, a common one people will do like Fiverr and Upwork. There's an app or a web service that was recommended to me that I haven't done a posting on yet, but I do have an account, but it is onlinejobs.ph. It's a specific Filipino-based VA job board, I guess. But, but yeah, so that, those are the questions that come to mind of like, where do I find them? How do I go about this? Yeah. Good. So the last question about like, what comes to mind when you think about a VA is what are some of your frustrations or what are the biggest frustrations you're facing? And a frustration is different than a fear where you've already tried something, you've done some research and you've like hit a block or something didn't go right. So what are some of your frustrations with hiring a virtual assistant? I'd say, so some of it is I know that I need to take time to even write out what I'm looking for. And the goal of hiring a virtual assistant is to save me time, but I need to have like, cause part of it is I need a job description and I need, I realize I have to lay out the role. It's even taking time for myself to define like, what am I looking for this person to do? And might it be more than one person? Cause I've got a handful of things that I could consider that I don't know if that is one person or multiple people. So. I scheduling social media editing your videos like all yeah, those editing podcasts of, yeah editing uh, a podcast yeah an ads person oh, ad. yeah those are a lot of different skills well and they're different sorts of ads like i'm looking at you know google ads and youtube ads and meta like facebook instagram and oftentimes people will kind of specialize in right one platform they're, they're not necessarily like all online ads does tiktok do ads like i don't even know maybe probably okay. Uh, yeah. So will people specialize in what I need them to do or do I need to hire? Do I need to hire multiple? Can I expect yeah. this from one person? Or if I put it in job description for one person, will I get a good candidate for all of those things? Or am I better off splitting the role between more than one person, but then it's more than one person to hire and manage? Uh, oh, yeah. And going back to the, like, so there's the frustration part of it is to make time to articulate what I need, find a matching job posting for it, either something I create or if I can borrow from somebody else or get from somebody else, like is this, what's a good job description for a Google ads word person? What should I expect? What, you know, what's reasonable expect? Because, you know, ads is something that I don't have experience in. 
So what's a reasonable ask? Mm -hmm. Is it reasonable to ask certain performance metrics? And if there are, what are they? You don't even know. Yeah. (laughs) Great. Those are awesome, awesome insights to what you're thinking and some of what you've been struggling for, struggling Mm -hmm. with. So in in a course on virtual assistants or hiring a virtual assistant, uh, what do you want to learn? You know, learning is an interesting thing. I want to learn those questions, but I, I want to... It's a weird thing. Like, I want to learn, but I really want just stuff to be made easy. Like, in the question of, like, I, if a course can give me, like, well, here's a good job description for an ads manager. I'd like to just have that, which sounds lazy, but so I guess an easy button as part of it. And, And I guess just this idea of kind of defining the parameters, like what is, what are good and helpful parameters? Because there are different rules to that. You know, most people are hiring a virtual assistant on a contractor basis. And if you're not used to working with independent contractors, there are different rules of what you can expect and things like that. Like you can't, can't set time with an independent contractor per se. You can set, as I understand, you could set boundaries. You could say like between these times, this is what is needed. And so it's even figure out the rules of what am I allowed or not allowed to do there. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you treat a contractor like an employee, there's some penalties for that. But yeah, I mean, that's part of it. So I'd want to learn like, what are the different defined roles? Because they're, you know, like I'm talking about like, is, you know, an intake coordinator would be a role. A social media manager would be a role. A social media marketer, I think would be a role, possibly overlap with two podcast manager and what does that define you know an ads person those are the main silos i think about and then the question is you know these might be individual job descriptions but do i put that as a single post do i do it as multiple and then figuring out like sustainability long term like how do i and it's everything like what do i pay like because a lot of virtual assistants work in an international context and so as I was highlighting before resources of like the Philippines, you know, what is it expected to pay there? How do I pay in an international sort of thing? Like, is it, how do I, what are the transfers to a payment and how does that work in taxes and all those sorts of things? Those are the things, you know, do I treat this as a service? Do I, you know, do I give them a W-9? And like, if they're a different country, they'll need a different tax form. So those are questions I think about. Great. Very good information. So if everything worked out perfectly and I could teach you or I could give you the results for the things that you're looking for, what would you hope would happen? What is your blue sky day for the results or the transformation of this, you know, this learning event? That I'm able to kind of take what I've been given and it simplifies that it's almost like a you know, uh, I don't know if computers still do this quite in the same way, but defragging. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and if I'm clearing out the hard drive, like I want space freed up. And. Oh, that's uh, a great. Just that's uh, to, to me, defragging is taking everything that's all over the place and lining yeah. it up in a logical order. And yeah. so when you're talking about that word picture for a virtual assistant, you want to like get the things that are like gumming up your schedule and put them 
I'm going to skip to my brain. Yeah. I want to be able to, I want to be able to offload things on my brain and mm -hmm. I want it to work in a certain way. So for example, ads, that's probably the, my biggest thing I'm looking at right now. Cause right now I run, you know, my continuing education online course offerings that I do, you know, it's the, you know, I do multiple six figures in revenue in that a year right now, but I'm not doing ads, which I feel pretty good about being able to accomplish what I have without doing ads. And this is just kind of organic marketing and growth, but it doesn't change the fact that I think I could grow even more with ads, but I don't want to manage ads. I don't think I want to be able to know enough to be able to kind of check in, but I want somebody I can hand that to and they run that and that they're making corrections and they're making. So I just want to see like a weekly or monthly report of this is what it's look like. This has been our ad spend. This has been our, you know, this has been conversions. You know, that's what I want. And yeah. if someone can give that to me that, yeah, but it's the sense of like, it's less about what I want to be like, I want to learn enough. I want to be given the templates and the tools to be able to streamline the process of me bringing somebody on. I want to know the things to look for in the hiring process and the ongoing management process. I want to know how to set expectations. And the transformation is I want something in my life to be easier because of this. Like I don't want more work. And that's been my, that's going back to a fear. One fear I've had of going back to, because in my virtual assistant journey, what I did is I reached a natural endpoint for the VA I was working with. I felt it was reaching the end of the year. I was looking at what, you know, the kind of costs were I was looking at, I was getting less out of it because I was, I had learned what I needed to learn and I didn't, and honestly, it, the, I was at the point where I didn't need a lot of VA help in that moment. I, I kind of developed internal systems to be able. And so it was just a natural conclusion. But the hesitancy in getting back into it is I don't want a VA to represent more work for me. And that's a fear that I'm going to take a, somebody on to make my life easier, but in a different way, it will make it harder. And it will cost me something. So what, when you describe th these types of things, what would you like to see in a course or a package that makes you supported enough to get the results that you're asking for? I want templates. I want kind of the guidance to say like this, you know, see this, not that, like pay attention to this, not this thing. Because part of not knowing something is that of like, what is, because when you don't know what's important or what matters, you can spend a lot of inefficient time in that. Hey. So if you're asking me like what features I want in the course, I don't know. I want the transformation, not necessarily the features. So is this something that would be like a one, if you were thinking, if it was taught, would this be like a couple hours, a couple videos? Like how much training do you think would be required to get you some of this information? Were you thinking this would be a live course or a video course or just some emails? I'd like somebody, I mean, email offerings are not, they're fine, but it's not necessarily what I'd be looking for in this. I'd like something in a single place that I can re reference again. Like a vault or something. Yeah. 
and you know live or not i mean it's just more of I, I think there's a benefit of someone being live if i have the opportunity to ask questions in the middle of it and then have that and then be able to kind of come back to so an opportunity to ask questions is something that would be of value to you yes okay so other options would be like cohort like going through this with other people who are do hiring virtual assistants with you is that something that's beneficial possibly how many so you mentioned templates are there other written documents that would be helpful like a template for a job description things to look for what other templates or written documents would be that like you're, you'd be like oh i need to grab this i need something to look at what would be helpful there i would want job descriptions for the different roles i would want you know standard operating procedures for when the roles fulfilled that i could manage or update i would want contract agreements of like what would i get you know templates like what's a common sort of thing i would want guides to different technology tools to like manage passwords or mass uploading or things like that like and some suggestions there and the roles that you're specifically looking for if you could narrow it down to like two well however many you want what would would be some interesting roles for that you would want a virtual assistant to fulfill for you the roles for me would be uh, i think of a few different silos of like if there was an intake coordinator that's not a huge need for me right now, but I think it would be for a lot of therapists and something I, I do, but somebody who was managing intake flow. So that would be for my counseling practice. That's one for a social media manager, whether that's for my practice or for my online business stuff, somebody who was doing that, possibly a podcast manager. And that would be someone doing editing recording or like taking raw recordings and doing edits and things like that. And that may overlap with the social media manager role and basically kind of getting it set to go and, you know, marketing ads, whether, and in the different platforms for that, and whether that's an all in one or here's what it would look like for a Facebook ads person. Here's what it would look like for a Pinterest ads. Here's what it would look like for YouTube or Google. I just think having somebody to deal with that so you don't get distracted. Yeah. It's a huge benefit. Yeah. Any other roles? Not that I can think of. Okay. Is there anything else uh, as far as like accountability and support that would be helpful to you? We talk a lot about documents mostly. Is there something? I mean, there's a there? certain amount, like if there is like accountability and just even feedback sorts of things, I think that could be good. Like, like of just review like review this job description for yeah, me. or if other people kind of share where other people are sharing their experiences of like this is what I've struggled with or not. All right, all right. So, Ian, how long do you think this course should be? As far as like time, maybe as far as like should it be a couple hours long or? As short as it needs to be. As short as it needs to be. Okay. And the other question on time is how long of like one month, three months, six months, like how long do you want 
access to accountability and support, like either if it's a group or. I mean, I would say I want access to the material forever. Forever, yeah. And as far as like accountability and support, like I would think like a good three to six months. Okay. Yeah, it does take at least, it, I feel like it takes at least one to three months to get the hiring, you know, from beginning to hire and interview people to actually making the hiring decision. It takes a while. Before we go to the one thing, anything else you wanted to say about this this interview, David? No? Nope. All right. So what's what's one thing that you want people to remember from this episode? Just to clarify what you know, what would move you on and what's your goal for a virtual assistant. I can say for mine, I'm wanting to defrag. I'm wanting to offload mm. create memory and capacity and storage to think about other things and not think about certain things that take up space now. So that would be for me. And my one thing is David reminded me, you know, people don't necessarily want to take a course. They don't want, they don't want anything to take anything longer than it needs to be. They just want the results. So when you're making something, get the results to them as soon as possible without making them like dig through all the videos and work that you're doing. If I had got the sense that if David could do this without watching a single video, that's his, that's what he would want. He'd just want the bolt of information with like, do this and this, let me hit that button. And if I need it, I'll ask you. All right. Well, David, thanks for helping us out today for the episode. This is James Marland with Dr. David Hall, remember, reminding you to take small steps that will lead to big results. We'll see you next time. Psych Maven is proud to support the Scaling Therapy Practice Podcast. And if you are someone looking for ideas that are tailored to your own personal style on how to scale and grow your own impact and income as a mental health provider, we hope you might check out our free online assessment. If you go to stp.psychmaven.com, you can take our free personal inventory and find out what your builder type is as a helping professional. This assessment is quick and fun and it comes with tons of customized resources with your results, so you can discover the best ways to scale that match your own personality. Find the assessment at stp.psychmaven.com. That is stp.psychmaven.com. Have fun with it. Thank you for listening to the Scaling Therapy Practice. I hope you enjoyed the show. I want to remind you that the content shared today is for general information and entertainment purposes only. Opinions given should not be considered as legal or tax advice. If you need a professional advice in those areas, please consult with a licensed attorney or accountant. But thank you so much for listening. The Scaling Therapy Practice is part of the SciCraft Network.